What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 76 of the Lumbar Trucking Show. Thank you all once again for joining me. Just me today. Wanted to give a few updates and go over a few headlines that have been going around the freight world that I wanted to share my, you know, expert opinion on here. But first and foremost, I wanted to give people an update on what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, as you notice, past several episodes, I haven't been on the road. I haven't been driving. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, my truck was backed into up in Des Moines, Iowa, not too long ago, right before Memorial Day weekend. And I had gotten down here, gotten back to Central Texas uh, right before Memorial Day weekend to get myself an estimate done on that. And my God, is it just uh, my entire overall experience, you know, with trying to get my truck fixed is just another testament to how things are going in this industry and the direction. And I'm just speaking from a customer service standpoint because I've been so many different places and it's just like, no matter how nice you are, no matter what you do, no matter how you approach any situations, uh, any situation, it's just, you, you can't just get uh, straight answers from people. You just can't get, uh, you know, a, a correct answer or be answered promptly or be told the truth. And you have to just be constantly told every excuse under the book. And the kind of, I, you know, and I could talk about this for, you know, long, a longer period of time, but just in the, in the short of it, essentially I brought this thing in for an estimate. The estimate took three days to get done. The damages are over $15,000. So it needed a third party approval. Now, when that third party approval came through, I then tried to tell the, tell the body shop, Hey, we're good to go. You know, Warren transport green lit it, obviously, the, you as the body shop came to an agreement on what the repairs were going to cost. They ended up reducing it by $1,500, whatever. So I had just called to do my due diligence, say, hey, we're good to go on my end. I definitely want to get it fixed here. So obviously Warren Transport's not going to tell them to get it fixed there. This was just had to do with the estimate. So I tried to call during the course of a day. I called three times. I left messages with three different employees. And then I call one final time at 4.30 p.m., on a weekday, and I'm told that the gentleman I need to get a hold of has left for the day. Now I understand things happen and whatever. There could have been a whole laundry list of, of reasons why this person didn't get back to me. Whatever. Uh, personally, uh, I, I'm not here to tolerate any of those reasons. And I, and as harsh as this may sound, I could give a fuck less what those reasons are. This was over the course of the day. This person had taken a lunch break and I had called before and after those lunch breaks and was told that he would call me back as soon as he can. So at that point, when you've left at 4.30 p.m. on a weekday after getting messages left uh, at your place of business by multiple employees and you don't reach me back, uh, I, I don't. some people will say don't take it personal. No, I am going to take it personal. It means you're purposely ignoring me because you're trying to ignore the situation, hoping that I just go away. Uh, finally, I get somebody on the horn the next day. It's the GM of the place. And he wants to talk to me because he had heard that there's communication issues going on. And I was like, well, yeah, I never had anybody call me back. And he was trying to tell me that at first to tell me that he didn't know who was going to be paying for the repairs going on. So they were just trying to do their due diligence on things and were waiting to get that answer. And I said, and that's when I informed him, I was just like, well, what is that? What are you talking about? Because uh, the day I came in for the estimate, you have my contact information from the sheet I filled out for you. I gave the contact information for the safety guy, uh, uh, the safety guy at Warren Transport. I gave you the insurance company 
uh, of which the other driver who hit me, I gave them their insurance company. And at the end of the day, if you're looking to see who's going to be paying for the repairs, why didn't I get a phone call at, at, at any point? And then I was explained, I was given the excuse that probably everybody hears uh, wherever you're going. This is outside of trucking because we hear this, it's on the front, it's put on the pages of Starbucks stores and it's everywhere about how they, everybody's hiring, they can't find help. And I was given the I'm busy excuse. We have a lot going on. There's so much happening. And then so whatever, at this point, I'm just laser focused on, you know, get, getting the repair done. Like the excuses are, are moot at this point. Um, so finally, it moves forward. The parts are getting ordered. Now, uh, I was told that the parts would take seven to 10 business days to come in. So around the seventh business day, I call back again uh, to ask for, or I didn't call back, I sent an email this time. And I emailed specifically asking for the timeline of when the parts are coming in. So that way I can keep a good record of information that I can then give to the uh, insurance company of the carrier who hit me. And when I had asked an email asking once again for the timeline of when the parts will come in, I was sent back an email that uh, that just said, hey, Mike, I will get back to you next Tuesday, June 20th. This is the day you're hearing this recording. I'll get back to you on Tuesday uh, with when I can schedule your truck to be in. Did not answer the question at all. So I sent a follow-up email. I said, hey, great, thanks. Um, just also wanting to follow up was curious on the timeline of the parts coming in. So that way I can keep a record for when I go after the other party's insurance for lost wages. I didn't get a response the entire rest of the day. I sent a follow-up email the next morning. I said, hey, just following up on this, um, just looking to keep good records on my end for when the parts were coming in, to which I got the response of, hey, Mike, all of the parts have come in except one. The last one will be in on Monday, June 19th. And then I will get back to you on Tuesday and when we can get your truck to get scheduled in. I don't know why I had to pull teeth for that answer. I don't know what was so hard about it. I don't know why I was ex essentially given an answer like I'm not smart enough or I don't deserve to know the answer of when parts for my truck are supposed to be fucking coming in. So it's just, I don't know. It's outright disrespect. If somebody asks me a question, I'm not going to answer a question that wasn't asked to me. Pretty fucking common sense. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't work in a body shop. I get it. You know, maybe I shouldn't be so crass, but at this point I could give a fuck less because this is going on everywhere in the industry. I am on these Facebook pages where guys are talking about these nightmare horror stories of all these mechanics go to, of they're being screwed over. And on the flip side, we once again are in an industry where contract rates are slipping, spot market rates are slipping, yet for now, body shops and the dealerships and everybody, they're able to jack their rates up. Their labor rates are going up. The price of parts are going up. The, uh, the And then the time it takes for them to get jobs is taking longer. And they're able to just justify it by saying they can give every excuse in the book. Yet carriers can't make that fucking excuse. Motor carriers can't just say, oh, I can't make your delivery because, uh, you know, because of X, Y, Z. We can't do that. No, drop. And you know who actually pays for it is the driver. The driver is the one who ends up paying. In the end, the, the bigger carriers, the bigger medium-sized carriers, they'll survive because they have more, they have other trucks. But in the but even the driver who that truck's on, the driver pays. And then on my end of things, it's the owner operator who's the operator, the guy operating. That the operator is the driver. They're the ones who ends up paying in the end. So that's the one who ends up getting fucked. I can't adjust my rates. I can't do that. 
I can't do that. I can't lie about time. I can't say, oh, I, something happened or give any fucking excuse in the book. But look, that that's neither here nor there. The, the parts are coming in. Uh, I'm already crafting the lengthy, uh, you know, the lengthy Google review I'll give. But it's just, like I said, it's just disappointing. Like, it's just, at what point do you not empathize with somebody? Do you not, like, see it from their point of view? And that's that's the type of service that's being dis- displayed to me. It's just where you can't see it from the other side, from the flip point of view. Like, oh, what if I was this guy? How would I feel? But anyways, look, I've been taking it with a, a grain of salt and really taking it on the chin here because I've uh, w- what has that, what has been being shown to me more is more along the lines of what I need to be doing, which is the foundation of everything I've been doing with content, which is everything fitness related. And I've said this in multiple videos over the course of months now that essentially from the basis of the foundation of being physically fit, it's our retaliation against the ATA, the FMCSA and their agenda. I I say this a lot in videos. And if you go back, I say it like how investing in yourself and making yourself better and learning new skills and being physically fit is the only thing we can do right now to actually is our only act of rebellion against the ATA and the FMCSA agenda. And I steal Andy Fursell's quote of how personal excellence is the number one rebellion. Now there's things we can do in the long game, like what we're doing at CDL Drivers Unlimited. We are making friends in Congress to try to get, you know, prevent the things like speed limiters. This is the long game going to DC, advocating, making friends in Congress, keeping up on the legislation, you know, doing that. That's the long game because this is stuff that takes years and stuff like that. But what you can do right now is to make yourself the most elite version of yourself. And so since this whole accident and this delayed process and the bullshit and the fucking, you know, whatever from this body shop has gone on, I've taken that time to do such such a thing. And I'm trying to figure out a way to expand my business, grow uh, and avenue myself into a newer business, one that will be an act of rebellion that still helps the trucking industry. I don't need to necessarily always be behind the wheel of a truck (laughs) to get these things done. And in fact, it takes time away from what I'm trying to do. So I've went ahead and I've bought the ACE certified personal trainer course, as well as the ACE group fitness instructor course, and I am going to start honing my skills and getting these certifications to once again solidify myself as a professional, as, as not just in the trucking industry, but the fitness industry as well. And that's what I would like to move forward with doing. You, If you listen to my episode I did with Dr. Mark Manera, you heard me talk about it then, how this is where I'm focused. I started this a year ago with First Form, where I took it upon myself and I, I realized I had I had it in me to and the confidence in me to help coach drivers, essentially sharing with them what I do and showing and showing them that they can do it too to get results. And I've been doing that with drivers right now. And so now it's time to take that next step and to hone these skills, learn, get the knowledge and, and put myself in that direction. As the truck gets fixed, I'll get back on the road. But now this is where I'm going to be avenue to start taking it because clearly at this point, I'm not going to keep myself uh, playing a games of catch up from breakdown to breakdown. Uh, what's crazy is I could add a truck right now and start growing a fleet. Guy down the road from me, he's selling his truck for $30,000. You know what's crazy? He said he spent six months trying to find a driver. And, re- and he needs a guy with two years experience. And we've talked about this on shows, how insurance companies kind of gatekeep you 
from adding newer drivers because the you know adding them to your insurance policy jacks up your your rates, especially if they're less than two years on their CDL. So if he did find somebody who was qualified to drive it, they all had automatic restrictions. So these guys couldn't even drive a 10-speed manual. So he couldn't do it. So he just kept driving that truck for a while. Now he's got a newer truck, especially because prices have come down. And he's selling this one. He's selling a million-mile DD15 2014 Freightliner, DPF deleted, perfect work truck, could go right, right to work. He showed me the paperwork. He cracked the hood. This thing's in mint condition. And we we could we could acquire this truck right now and I can add it. But finding a driver and then if one of our two trucks goes down, like if, if I have a driver in that truck and it breaks down and I have to deal with a similar dealership experience like what I'm dealing with now, the driver walks. And then you're left with this, you know, asset that's costing you money. And I know that there's a lot of people, especially, you know, the uh What's it called? You know, the people I've also gone to war against the course guys who would, who always love to say, oh, scared money don't make no money. And it's like, yeah, I get that to an extent. But when it comes to just, you know, when it comes to unnecessary risk, you know, there's necessary and unnecessary risk, necessary risk. Me getting the truck a year ago, bold move, learned a lot. And I've learned so much in the past year. If you go back from my year in review episode of being an owner operator, fucking loved that I did it. Adding another truck uh, during a freight recession uh, with record turnover, where I know businesses and fleet owners with 10 trucks who are carriers who have lost contracts, who can't keep drivers. I think we can wait on that. It's not like the trucks are going anywhere. Um, I haven't been kept up on it too much, and I haven't really been talking about it on the podcast, but the robots aren't going to be here for quite some time. So, Adding trucks, I can do that whenever I want. But so the scared money don't make no money shit. Okay, you do it then. So anybody out there who's saying do it, you go add the trucks right now. We'll see how you're doing in three, four months now when there are tenured uh, people in this industry with respectable businesses who are folding left and right. But that's enough about that. I just wanted to give you guys an update that I will be leaning heavy into the fitness side of things. I truthfully and in my heart, that's where I want it. Uh, that's where I think I can impact the most amount of change. If I can really become a personal trainer for as many drivers or carriers and have them come onto a program I develop similar to what Dr. Mark Manera is doing. I'm not copying him at all because this is the Lombard brand. He has the Dr. Mark Manera brand. I'm building a Lombard brand. So that's where, we, but this cut, but just like in any uh, market, competition is good. And what we're doing, even though will be in theory competing. The mission is the same. And I've said that a thousand times, as long as the mission is getting done, I don't care. He can become a millionaire and I could break even. I don't care. The mission is get as many drivers, real results as possible, because if we can get these drivers staying fit, if we can keep them behind the seat, the, the, behind the wheel, if we can keep, if it'll help with the turnover. People don't seem to understand. We were talking about in this episode that, uh, for the for the career of a truck driver, if they're not doing the right things to stay healthy, eventually it will cut your career short in the majority. I know some people, there are exceptions. So at the end of the day, helping these drivers get these results will be overall good for the industry. These guys will start advocating more. These guys, it's, the, it's an energy investment is essentially what it is. Uh, I was just talking about this on the phone with a gentleman I'll be having on the show soon. When you're, you're investing in your own energy, um, essentially a few years ago when I was fat and overweight and 
uh, working a job that I wasn't really loving and didn't have a passion towards like I do now with trucking and logistics. Um, I was working like 50 hours a week. I wasn't working that much. I'm working so much more now and on a span, especially over the road where seven days a week, I've been out for seven, eight weeks at, at a clip before. Uh, and on top of just driving, trucking, flatbedding, we're talking uh, fully fledged working out, training for marathons, recording podcasts, coaching drivers on the first farm app, tracking my own macros, uh, maintaining the finances of, uh, of my own business, uh, uh, any number of things, putting in, you know, essentially every hour I'm awake doing something, you know what I mean? Keeping up relationships with my friends, having phone conversations, all that. Reason being, I have the energy to do it. Why do I have the energy? Because I decided to do the hard things. Because I decided, yeah, I'm going to go for the runs. Yeah, I'm going to eat a little bit less. Yep, hey, I'm not going to eat that tonight. Yeah, I'm going to track my macros. Yeah, I'm going to drink my water. I did that. So when I invested in that type of energy, when you have the energy, you're going to get your time back. Because you're not going to be spending your time sleeping, napping, uh, not wanting to get off the couch, not wanting to do X, Y, and Z. When you do these things to get your energy, you're going to want to do a lot more. So imagine if we get, imagine if tomorrow, 100,000 drivers were built like guys like me and Chris Tackett, who I had on the show, and um, uh, Euros, the fittest trucker. Uh, you know, imagine if 100,000 drivers were like that tomorrow. They had that type of energy. They had that type of pizzazz to start getting the fuck after it and shit talking the ATA and getting the attention on the issues right there. It would make, it would make moves. Now let's make that 3 million truck drivers because that's the thing we, we have three to four million people driving trucks so in building this lombard brand that's what we're going to be moving towards very excited towards it I, i'm pumped i was in kind of a depressive slump for a bit of coming out of it and because that's the thing like i, I want to work like that that's like I, I had to you know a, a listener of the show he texts me he goes you've been enjoying your time home nah i'd rather be working you know and so that's why i'm working towards getting these certs working towards figuring out how to invest and grow into a brand, continue to push the online presence. And when time comes, I'll get back on the road and, I, and I'll be, I'll be trucking and stuff, but we're also going to be moving into a direction of where I'm over the road less. That was the goal from the rip. I wasn't going to be OTR for 30 years. I never planned on doing that. The point of starting a business was to grow in the first place. And that means, and that would require me not being OTR forever. You know, I am family oriented family, got a family mindset, you know, would like to have kids multiple. And, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to be the guy who looks back in 30 years and missed 75% of my own children, you know, growing up. I want to be there for them, be there for those things. I think that that's more important. And in fact, I'd like, I, you know, I'll go as far to say, like, I, like I've said before, the system is set up. They don't want these drivers to have these lives. They want, they want to rub you to the bone. They want to keep you, you know, just, you know, they want to keep you just hanging on for just long enough so they can get every ounce of productivity out of you. I've been sharing this graph on Twitter. You know, it's from that Twitter account, what the fuck happened since 1971. The productivity in this country has skyrocketed. And with trucking, with trucking, OTR wasn't a thing pre-deregulation. We've talked about this. It was not even a thing. But because we were in this mass consumerism culture, and ever since the race to the bottom began with deregulation, that's when everything trucking became OTR. Because before deregulation, the only thing OTR was your agriculture and your fucking cattle hauling. That, that's was it. And that was a super small percentage of people who also lived by a different code too, 
who were who who took an insane amount of pride in what they did. They lived by a standard, a standard that does not exist today uh, in, in the large and shorter things in the trucking industry, because we've done things like lower the fucking barrier to entry below zero and import drivers from overseas and give out CDLs to people on the unemployment line and press gang them into service. Like it's the Royal fucking Navy of the 1700s. So it was different even for the OTR guys back then. But regardless, not to get too uh, too hot off that, you know where I'm headed. You got the status update. I'm excited. Um, reach out to me if you want to be involved in anything that I've got going on, or if you if you work in the if you you know if you've taken if you've taken any of these A certifications, we'd love to talk to you and bounce some questions off you. Have you on the show? We could talk about this stuff. Um, but yeah, other than that, a couple headlines I wanted to go over because they have a lot to do with what we talked about on the show. Because I love this one, so. Um, Gord, as you you know, friend of the show, voice of Gord, his show, he recently had an episode. Um, it was called, I'm going to butcher the name. It's not in front of me, but it had to do, he had a couple of mechanics on this, on his show and they had a, basically a round table and um, long and the short is they were talking about this idea, not idea. It's what's going on in all across, uh, you know, industries, auto industry trucking everywhere called planned obsolescence where they're building things to break and they're building things that actually have no, there's no consumer demand for nobody in trucking is asking for it. The drivers aren't saying, yes, we need this uh, in our trucks, you know, to, to do our jobs better. Um, One of the things they talk about in the episode is how one of these newer trucks wanted to uh, essentially they were developing to where when you came to a stop, for a certain period of time, the parking brake would, would apply. You know, it would it would pull the air brake for you. In what world should we be training professional truck drivers to not set their brakes? Like, let's think about that for a minute. And now the the AI sympathizers and the fucking tech work, worshipers are always going to go, well, well, it's to make their jobs easier. And you notice what happens when they keep saying it makes it easier. You know, that's it's a gaslight in a way. Oh, it's going to make your job easier. No, what it's actually doing is it's, it's well, like I said on a on a on an Instagram reel and a TikTok video, it is de-skilling people. It's making you less valuable. It removes your autonomy, and it, and it, in a sense, it's actually insulting you. Is what it's doing. This technology and what these companies are doing. At the end of the day, when you boil it down, sorry, I looked away. I thought it was my dog. When you boil it down, it's anti-human. Is exactly what it is is it's against human tech, you know, technolo- technological, technological uh, purposes. It wants to remove what, what, what humans can do because it's built uh, as a retaliation towards human. Uh, there's no better way to say it but anti-human. And so the article I wanted to bring up today came, comes out of Freight Waves, my boys over at Freight Waves. Packard recalls Peterbilt trucks after six underhood fires okay and so it's a underhood fires which means that just underneath the hood the truck lit on fire just magically misplaced fastener can lead to alternator cable chafing packard inc is recalling four four thousand nine hundred and fourteen peterbilt model 579 classic eight tractors that have experienced six underhood fires a misplaced fastener can chafe alternator cable insulation. No injuries or deaths have been reported. 
on certain model 579 trucks equipped with Packard MX-13 engine, Packard 160 amp alternator. The alternator positive cable may chafe against the left-hand side from spring bracket top rear forward fastener. The head of the fastener may be outside of the frame rail. If the cable is routed too close to the left-hand front spring bracket, Top rearward fastener, a fire could result. All recall trucks are suspected to have the condition for which there is no warning. Peterbilt began an investigation May 11th after learning of a customer with an underhood fire. Warranty claim search found the other fires leading. The Peterbilt Safety Committee decided June 6th to conduct a recall. Packard dealers will replace at no charge the frame fastener and install it in the opposite direction inside the frame rail, secure the alternator cable, creating greater routing clearance. The Denton, Texas plant made a running change on July 29th, 2022 to turn around the front frame back at fasteners. Let's say that again. The Denton, Texas plant made a running change on July 29th, 2022 to turn around the front frame bracket fasteners. Why? For what? It's, you know, the people who are making these trucks, these engineers and these brain wizards, they're not drivers. And I've said this before. The guys who invented the airplane, they weren't physicists. They weren't fucking scientists. They weren't XYZ. These were guys who sold bikes, you know, just like the guys up there, the loggers who are doing Edison Motors. You know, they've developed, they've developed that hybrid diesel electric engine, which puts to shame anything electric out on the market today which, you know, is, is insane. These guys are loggers in Canada and they've invented groundbreaking technology. The medium gap to get us off fossil fuels, unlike the government and people within the Biden administration who believe that we could just snap our fingers, make everything electric and boop, problem solved, not realizing you'd have to flood the entire fucking Midwest uh, and dam it up if you wanted to provide the level of electricity just to, if you wanted to switch every semi truck over to electric today. So, I mean, when it comes to what's going on at Peterbilt, what are you making to where it like, and with the newer trucks, this happened with Volvos. And I know this from my last carrier working at R&R Solutions, they had these new Volvos and Volvo had gone on strike and this was during COVID. And so finally, when they were trying to fulfill all these orders, I mean, these trucks were rushed. And then we had the issue going on at the ports with the chips uh, you know, all the microchips couldn't come in. Even the auto industry suffered with this. I know people who bought new cars and they didn't have certain microchips and they had to go back in a few months when they came in. What, what are we doing here? We don't need all of this technology in these cars. We don't need all this technology in these trucks. Nobody's demanding it. Nobody like truckers aren't begging for it because that's the thing. When it comes to demand, demand means that there's a want for it. Can you find can anybody find me? Any truckers want it? Oh, no. You know who's demanding it? Shareholders. That's right. Fucking shareholders demanding it. Last I checked, shareholders aren't the ones fucking operating it. They're not the ones who fucking buy the shit. So I don't give a fuck what their demand is. That's why we don't actually live in a free market. Because shareholder demand, I don't give a fuck what they demand. Because their demands have only led to more deaths, more unemployment, fucking uh and, you know, a bunch of other fucking bullshit. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to go on about, you know, how we need to fucking suck shareholders dicks. Uh, another article going on because, you know, we're uh, we're definitely Teamsters respecters here at the Lombard Trucking Show. And a uh, good friend, Rachel Premack, editorial director over at Freight Waves, she wrote, uh, and this was a big one, that the UPS Teamsters have overwhelmingly authorized strike in about a 97% vote 
allowed leaders to call for the strike to go on. Now, if you, if some people don't know that the uh, that UPS is a Teamster affiliate, one of the oldest, actually, too. Fascinating story. I'd love to get somebody on to talk more about that, more Teamsters history as well. As expected, UPS Teamsters voted overwhelmingly Friday to authorize its leadership to call a strike in the event a contract cannot be reached by the deadline of July 31st. A strike authorization does not mandate a strike or determine that one will be called. UPS is expecting that the rank and file would vote to authorize a strike. Quote, this vote shows that hundreds of thousands of Teamsters are united and determined to get the best contract in our history at UPS. If this multi-billion dollar corporation fails to deliver on the contract that our hardworking members deserve, UPS will be striking itself, said Teamsters General President Sean M. O'Brien. The strongest leverage of our members have is the strongest leverage our members have is their labor, and they are prepared to withhold it to ensure UPS acts accordingly. Quote, this strike authorization vote sends a clear message to UPS that our members are damned and determined to take necessary action to secure a historic contract that respects their dedication and sacrifice, said Teamsters General Secretary Treasurer Fred Zuckerman. He goes on, our members are the backbone of UPS, and they are the reason this corporation hauled in more than $100 billion in revenue just last year. It's time for UPS to pay up. This is a developing story. Thank you, Rachel, for bringing out that article. Um, it's been making its way around Twitter. And I'm sure that, the, you know, what's funny is the um, it's making its way around our, our like freight Twitter. We've been talking about a little bit. But you notice this news doesn't it's not mainstreamed at all. But man, does I hope do I hope this happens. Um, I would love nothing more than for UPS driver, every UPS truck to stop driving. Not, I, there's two things I wake up for every day. Uh, there's two things I ask to happen. I pray that they happen every day. One, everybody rushes to the bank and takes their money out. I would love nothing more than every single American to go to the bank, their respective banks, pull all their money out. Love it. I, I would love nothing more than that chaos and see that the tenants of fractional reserve banking fail uh, because it's a Ponzi scheme and uh, we should wake up. And then the second thing I would love is if every truck in America just didn't drive for, for one day, maybe three, every single one, delivery, USPS, everyone, just every, they just didn't, they just chose not to, would love it, would love nothing more than the sort of chaos, because I truly believe that the people in this country, uh, we need that lesson. Uh, and the people who will feel it the most, now us, the normies, the plebeians, the proletariat, as some might call us. We would suffer a little bit, but the thing is, we'd all come together and we'd figure it out. That happens before. That happens in natural disasters. We figure it out for each other because we actually have shit in common. Who would really hurt are the you know those top dogs at UPS who would suffer? Is the elites would suffer? And I don't care if they suffer. I, I could care less because they profit off of the backs of like people in the trucking industry who suffer. They profit off of suffering. So the people who profit off of suffering, and then they go to church on Sundays and talk about how they're a good Christian, all while they profit off of the suffering and hard work of other people while they do absolutely nothing to benefit society. Um, but so even if all of the UPS trucks could stop, and there's people, I mean, somebody replied to my tweet, they were saying something like, oh, that would affect a lot of small businesses though. Guys who send stuff out, you know what? They'll figure it. They'll figure it out the same way I have to figure it out when my truck has to sit at a dealership, not at a dealership, at a body shop. Um, 
which uh, a body shop that when you call talks about how they are family owned with 40 years, over 40 plus years of customer service and all this experience. Guess what? I'm figuring it the fuck out. I'm working down, you know, I'm working downtown on Rainy Street. I'm door dashing. I'll figure it out because that's what we do. That's what people like us do. We do figure it out. People at the top, they don't know how to figure it out. You know what happens when they get fucking down the bad road? They go get a bailout. They go get free money. This happened with YRC too. And this was the last headline I wanted to touch on uh, was uh, the yellow freight. Uh, So if you don't know, for guys who are unaware, let me bring that up. Let's see. YRC. Yellow freight which you'll see there, you'll see their trucks. They either say YRC on the side or yellow, the block around it. Also, know, uh, they own a couple companies like Red Away. They, Teamsters, not bailing out yellow again, unmoved by carriers' finances. So these guys are about to run out of money. Teamsters Brass said Monday that less than truckload carrier Yellow Corp, less than truckload meaning LTL, has informed them they will be out of money by August if a proposed change of operations isn't approved. The union, however, says the company has been mismanaged for years and vows not to bail Yellow out again. Quote, Yellow has been unable to effectively manage itself for a long time, said Sean O'Brien, Teamsters General President and Vito members. Now the company says it'll be out of money by August. Do not forget, Teamsters have already given back everything they possibly could to keep Yellow afloat. O'Brien said that the union has given billions to the company in the form of wages, benefits, and rules concessions in the past. He also pointed to the $700 million dollars the carrier received from the government in the form of a COVID relief loan, which it used to catch up on delinquent health and pension pen of health and pension payments and buy new equipment. Hmm. Something about that I don't really believe. What actually probably happened is like other businesses out there, they took that $700 million bailout and they gave it to some of their top executives and they did things like buy fucking G wagons instead of invested in their business. I'm not sure how this carrier who has a huge uh, market share of LTL um, look at, I mean, look at these stats. Yellow sent an internal memo to employees Thursday that only a thousand drivers, 20% of total road drivers would be required to work the docks. Forms are already performing in these functions. Okay. So this had to do with the workload and they were promising to give people wages. Um, Essentially, what yellow yellow has a, their capacity is unreal. Let's look that up. That's what I was trying to get. That yellow. Let's see. All right, forget it. We don't need to bring it up. Their capacity, what they have to offer in form of services, is insane. The amount of people they employ. So. How they're not getting the money is uh, doesn't really make too much sense for me. Once again, if these companies don't want to put, there's a reason why you get into business. And, you know, obviously, first and foremost, it's to make money. What do you do with that money? You, you spend it? No, you when you, ju- when you just have money coming in, you spend it, you go out of business. So, yeah, the point of being in business is to make money. But what do you do with it? You have to reinvest it back into the business. Which means the pe- you know the workers who are keeping your business running, the, you know some of the R and D, whatever, whatever your business might be, you know uh, hiring new talent, getting acquiring more assets. Yeah, you know you if you just sit there and say, well, they're just supposed to make money. Clearly, yellow has mismanaged it, and it's time to pay. And unfortunately, it's going to be time for UPS to pay, 
And on a long enough timeline, if we keep doing what we're doing here, we're going to make the ATA and the FMCSA pay too. I want to end with this um, because this was something I've been talking about on Twitter is that the, the overall goal here too, like I said, we want we, but making drivers healthier gets us towards this goal is the total abolition or dissolution of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Association. And I have no fear or remorse in saying that. The FMCSA has only been around since 2000. The reason why it was implemented was for one reason, one, technically two. It was to reduce the amount of commercial motor vehicle accidents and make highways safer. safer. That's it. That's why it was implemented. That was its mission. That was the goal. In like pretty rare form of the government to say, hey, we need to create this this, um, oversight body of the DOT to do this. Just one thing. Less accidents and make it safer. Less accidents. So it's, it's two in one. And what we've seen in the past almost 25 years now is the exact opposite. Our roads are not safer. Um, especially since the implementation of the ELD mandate, we've seen uh, fatalities and accidents go up. And, you know, for I, like I've said before, you know, the trust the science crowd, you guys were very loud and proud beating your chests all through COVID, telling us to trust the science. Hello, here's some science right here. And you told us to trust the science in the defense of saving lives when it had to do with COVID mandates or COVID vaccine mandates or lockdowns. It's all about saving lives. Here's the thing. Here's the science that's all about saving lives, too. The science says that FMCSA policy and their actions or inactions has led to an increased amount of death. So what that tells me is, if we're going to trust the fucking science here, is they they failed. And now when you fail, you have to, it needs to be, it needs to go away. It needs to start over. If you have a job, I'd love to meet anybody who's ever carried a job for 23 years who's failed, whose progress has never had any inherent benefit on anybody, and they kept their job. And in fact, not only kept their job, they grew. They grew in total number of employees, grew in total number of people, and they continue to add more and more regulation. And you know what's funny is other people profit off of this. Hmm. Real weird, right? You know who does? Tech companies, mega carriers. All the meanwhile, truckers are dying. Your family members are getting killed on the roads because they're getting hit by trucks being driven by people who who have lived in the United States for two months or who were forced to get their CDL. All greenlit by the FMCSA and the ATA and their agenda. So the point here is to make these friends in Congress, make content like this, get motherfuckers jacked as fuck, and show the American people why we don't need the FMCSA. I had somebody ask me, well, then what do you replace it with? Now, 2016, the, the the libertarian me would say, well, we don't need anything. But we all know that that sort of thinking is a utopia, just like communism. Communism is a utopia. Perfect world, sure, sounds great. Libertarianism, same way. You know, you're just going to get rid of everything and think it's going to be great. We, in a sense, we did that. You know, free markets and libertarian policies got us, you know, the steel rights of Gary, Indiana. Free markets, so to speak, and not really that free. But uh, lack of, you know, oversight has got us microplastics in our food. Yeah, so that, that's that's re- really where the argument goes. So th- there is no such thing as these utopias. You know, I would say in 2016, oh, well, we just don't need it. We'll just get rid of it. 
You know, the magic market will figure it out. No, we should have an oversight committee. And what it should be made up of are the largest stakeholders in transportation being the drivers. And how do you do? No, you don't just, it's not just me, the Lombard Trucking Show on this oversight committee. What you have is a combination of driver filled organizations like the Teamsters, OIDA, the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association. CDL Drivers Unlimited, you know, you 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 get these organizations the uh, that have governing bodies that lobby on behalf that actually are trying to lobby now on behalf of drivers, but don't get listened to because they only listen to the ATA because they have the money. So no, the ATA wouldn't be part of this governing body, by the way, because they they've been around for ninety years, ninety, and haven't solved anything. So they can go away, but that's what it needs to be made up of. Like I said, I you know I don't. Are unions the answer stuff? You know, do we go back pre-1980? You you can't go backwards at a certain point. That's not how, you know, that's not how you fix things. You can't fix things by going backwards. But what we can do is take from history and come up with a logical solution built on the foundation of, okay, this worked, this didn't work, et cetera. That's what we need to do. And look, this is why, and like when people talk about wages and wage laws, Look, countries like Denmark and Sweden, they don't have minimum wages. They don't. There's no federal minimum wage there. You know, it's funny to hear progressives. They always want these social benefits that Denmark and Sweden have, and they don't realize what it takes to actually get them. It's not the government laying down the hammer saying, no, you must. No. What it is, is in Denmark and Sweden, their labor is actually represented in their government. So that's what we need. We actually need the labor whether it be union or other organization, be actually represented in government. The FMCSA doesn't represent anything from drivers. The people in the FMCSA have never been drivers. In what world do you have people who have never worked in transportation legislating for the safety of America's highways? They've never worked in transportation and they're legislating the safety of America's highways off of what merit do these people have to make these decisions? Who would you rather trust? An unelected body of people like the FMCSA uh, making our safety laws, rules, and regulations for our highways? Or maybe the people who go out and do it every day? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. But with that, guys, that's going to that's gonna wrap it up. Um, ways to help. Uh, you recently just found out uh, via a blog that got sent out on Twitter from my friends in Australia down there um, of the, there was a top 100 list of trucking shows and yours truly was number 65 on that list. So I'm glad to do it. I'm trying to keep the cadence up because I believe I will move up on that list. I've checked out some of those other shows and their cadence isn't that high. They don't release a lot of content. They haven't kept up. They uh, they're very sparingly. I'm trying to keep the conversation going as often as possible, whether it be me talking to you, just, running my suck on whatever bullshit is going on on the airwaves uh, or bringing drivers on. Like I said, my biggest goal here is to get as many drivers on as possible because they're real people. and We want to get their real stories out there and people need to hear those stories because the lives they live and the jobs they've done is far more important than I think people seem to realize. So we're going to keep it going. Uh, I didn't get on that list uh, by my, you know, by my own merits it's because of you guys going out there, sending a link, sharing the show, hitting the like button, Dropping a five-star review, all that stuff very much helps. Like I said, at the end of the day, the mission here is to make the world a better place, make people healthier, get real people, some real 
long-lasting results that they take with them out in their lives. I'm a firm believer in domino effects. We're going to keep it going. So thank you guys once again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one.